A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the Square Ball Podcast. I'm Dan Moylan and with me is Michael Normanson. Hello. I'm Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. And for this, the very last one of this decade, uh, of this year, thanks for your support right across the year. We're coming around to 10 years of doing this podcast in the new year because we launched it off the back of the Manchester United game, didn't we? January 3rd. Remember the date? Just about. Two spectacular games to start and end it, we've got to say. It has been pretty incredible. We'll get into all that in just a second or two. Quick heads up about Levi Solicitors who are supporting the podcast. 10% off your legal fees when you mention the square ball. Head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Our next mag, by the way, is going to be issue five on sale versus uh, the Sheffield Wednesday football team. Is that who we're playing next at home, isn't it? It feels like it's going to be ages away. Gary Monks, Sheffield Wednesday. The Owls. The uh, dropping through the divisions, Owls. Oh God, I hope so. I really hope so. That'll be a glorious uh, end to this season. Start 2020 with a points deduction. (laughs) Not for us. Not for us. For once. Well, we ended 2019 with an absolutely sensational game. We obviously dived into it quite extensively, albeit it was very free form, wasn't it? It was the match ball off the back of um, the Birmingham Birmingham game. Have we we managed to calm down a bit now and and, and pull some threads on this one? I tried watching it again. That's turned off at half-time. How did it finish? Uh, it was 2-1 to Leeds. Comfortable victory. Yeah, very, yeah. We, we let it go a little bit in the, the, the second period, the second quarter, but, you know, came through unscathed to the, uh, to the whistle. I think part of the problem on the match ball was that no one could remember any of the goals, not properly. We could all remember bits of them. It's like, is that the one where Kiko came out and then did Ailing score after that? Or was that before mm. that? Was that after? I can't remember. Then Dallas scored and... A few things to take from it is just that I think we should maybe start experimenting with fullbacks. You think? How would that work? You know, like the ones who, particularly when you're leading in the last minute, mm. sort of fullbacks who maybe stay in the defensive half of the pitch. You say that, but then how do we score three goals? Well, <laughs> the, the ailing basically sorted out for us. <laughs> but That's our right back. There's times, though, there's times, times that you need to do it and times that you need to say, no, Alejowski. Just took took back a little bit. <laughs> Get off the byline. It's the 90th minute and we're winning. Just for now, just now, just go back a little bit. I think what I did take from watching the, the first half again on four backs is that that Jude Bellingham freak is really, really good. Yeah, he is. I think that was a big problem. Alioski and Harrison were trying to do their normal thing of both basically playing by Birmingham's corner flag. Um, and then we suddenly had this problem that what was he, Colin, their overlapping fullback was was pretty decent. And then Bellingham was, uh, he was, was he supposed to be on the wing? He was a winger, wasn't he? Was I think he, yeah. he was wide, but um, yeah. the information seems to be that he's actually better in like a number eight role. Well, he kept moving inside. And I think that was the, the thing, because when their first goal, he'd gone inside and Alioski was kind of, had gone with him a bit and got confused about being a left back. Harrison 
missed where Colin had gone. Cooper had run towards whoever had the ball because because they were central as well. And suddenly the Birmingham players all just like broke through the other side because they were all in what we thought were the wrong places. And yeah, and Alioski couldn't didn't really know what to do with Bellingham when he went inside and Calvin Phillips was playing, for some reason, was playing much further forward than he usually does. So he wasn't on the edge of the penalty area in front of Cooper to kind of go in and clatter the little twat. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and he just became, it's one of those things where, yeah, Birmingham had a really good player who we couldn't handle and got the ball down and started passing it. Yeah, there was, there was a big gap, wasn't there, on that, that side? That, that first goal of theirs was a strange one because one of their players did seem to lure in about five of ours yeah. and then he he just managed to nudge it out to the right and all of a sudden... Mm. It was classic there sort was of absolutely nobody there. Playground, all the seven-year-olds chasing the ball thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked, it's unlike us because we're normally fairly structured in a, in a completely free-form way, but well, we, are, we are normally fairly structured in actually covering areas of the field and stuff, whereas that was just everyone runs at one bloke and he mm. just goes, oh... Oh, it goes to the right side. But, that, no but that's there. the thing about playing so high up the pitch as we do is that we are prone to getting caught on the counter as well and losing our shape quite easily because our fullbacks are playing on the byline. Oh, and Alioski was running in from the right-hand side for that goal, <laughs> weirdly. He was running back from the right-hand side of the... attacking right-hand side of the pitch to try and He's got tackle, a bit of a free roll. <laughs> to try and tackle someone who then played it out to the left-back position where he was meant to be. And well, yeah, he'd followed Bellingham inside, I think. That's... that's- where he'd gone and then it, Colin on the overlap was away from from Jackie and it was uh, that's how it got messed up but it was all because we were although we were 2-0 up every time we won the ball we were trying to go smashing forward as fast as we could and yeah Birmingham just managed to get a little bit of they got it together basically just started passing properly to each other which they hadn't been doing early in the game mm. um, and made it more difficult for us to uh to get the ball off them and keep it. And related to us getting the ball off people and, and keeping it, I'm not convinced. We were saying that Matt Click might need a, a rest after playing every game for club and country for the last six seasons. I'm not convinced that Calvin Phillips has been at his best the last few games. And not terrible, but just he, he's not hitting the tackles as hard as he was and his, his passing isn't quite as good as it was. And I don't mean permanently that sounds like I'm talking about a, a racehorse going into retirement well he can't pass the way he used to I think it's time coming up for his mid-20s now it's time he's for done. him to move on but it's just having that little dip it's, um, it's what Phil um, Phil Hay touched on when we did the Phil Hay podcast about Ben White the performance levels in Cooper as well just seem to have just come off peak mm. performance at the minute and maybe it's something to do with Christmas do you think I feel like with Phillips he's getting a lot more attention now I think people have maybe I don't know why it's taken him so long but maybe realising how crucial he is and market him tightly, even though he's a defensive midfielder. Because you, you never mark, you never man mark a defensive midfielder, do you? Because it's they're not in a position to cause damage. You wouldn't think, but he's so crucial to the way we play. I think teams are maybe thinking, well, it's worth pushing someone onto him because it stops the outlet ball. Forty million pound Calvin Phillips as well. I don't know if that gets in his head at all. Maybe January. Maybe he's the one who wants to leave. <laughs> maybe maybe it'll be part of uh, Arsenal do a screen to say, well, you can keep Eddie. And you can also have £40 million. How does that sound? Great. But can we have Calvin Phillips? Well, let's think about happier things. And we've actually written the goals down here so we know what order they happened in. And some of the good stuff that happened. On that first one, I think huge credit to Jack Jackie Harrison, who did some good athletic work there to cut through the middle. He made that goal. Just um, ran upfield and... Uh, Good ball to Costa. I thought Costa's first touch was brilliant as well, just to take him the right side of the man, I thought was a really good touch. Jackie and Helder have both been really good in recent games. It's interesting, when we are talking about um, what we need in the, the January transfer window, nobody's saying anything about wingers, which for a long time it was always kind of 
is is Harrison good enough? Alioski's rubbish. Is Helder Costa going to be any good? But it just doesn't come up now. Everybody's like, yeah, Harrison, great. It is strange that at this point last year, it was probably about the peak of get Clark in the team, get Mm. Harrison out, wasn't it? Whereas now, Jack Clark is a bum and he's gone back to London to to beg on the streets. And Jackie Harrison is, is, well, he was Jack Harrison then, wasn't he? He is now, Mm. he's become... yes. Jackie Harrison, Jack Harrison 2.0. Yeah. Uh, Escalated. What what is interesting though, just on that, the only person who has mentioned wingers in a roundabout way is Bielsa, who's talked of uh, replacing Clark. Nobody else is sat there thinking, oh, we're desperately short out wide though. He loves wingers. Every winger he can get his hands on. Because they can maybe they can fill in the strikers if necessary. Uh, Second goal as well, as well, the one that put us 2-0 up. Niketia could work by him. Not our problem anymore though, obviously. (laughs) It might be tomorrow when we play West Brom. After that, dead to us do we I know we're, we're jumping ahead of things now but do we in the, the 90th minute do we just say to Carl Bartley go on free pass kick him just kick him as hard as you can Shame we don't have Scott Wotton there to headbutt him <laughs> I used to like doing that <laughs> but again persistence in that second goal was good to see and Harrison popping up in the right place and he hit the target albeit it was a massive deflection that took it in but did his yeah. job it was a difficult as we said on the match ball it came out in, in quite a, a cranky way and he uh, he did well to stick it in the goal. All kinds of glory in that 3-2 goal though as well. Alioski doing really well down the left. I mean, I feel like I've spent quite a bit of time saying Alioski was woefully out of position, but he has just created two of these. Mm. But it's, it's similar to Ailing as well. Ailing though, I mean, we're going to touch on Ailing in a second because he, he's about to score. But he, again, defensively, you could ask questions, but going forward, he was sensational, wasn't he? He was involved in everything. I would ask questions as well. I know they said that Helder Costa's been playing really well, but there was a couple of occasions, I noticed when Ailing was defending and Costa has a habit of just kind of standing and watching him. I'm not sure he's quite got the hang of um, of the defensive side of things as well. We saw the Cardiff game when he, he didn't go and close the winger out before they crossed. He's, he's, um, he's maybe... It just makes Bill even more of a an iron man doing the job of two men. Yeah, the, the 3-2 goal, great ball by Alioski to pick out Ailing and a, a great first touch from Ailing as well to take him inside the man. And then I think we obviously we know what happened thereafter. It was a great finish and a great celebration. They sort of l- allowed him to shoot, I think. Mm. They were going, yeah, go on. But we've seen you do this before. <laughs> well, uh, you'd expect Leeds in that position, it is normally a square pass or it's a, it's a chip to the byline or it's another through ball or somebody starts, everybody's laying it off to each other. So it was actually really refreshing for Ailing to just go, I'm just going to shoot and I'll score. And I'll celebrate in a and great... And I'll go mad. Yeah. What was that celebration? He was just kind of uh, running around and pointing at stuff, wasn't he? He just kept turning point, turning point. Um, there was like a, a, almost like a thrown in American football motion though, I felt like, with his arm at one point. I mean, who knows what goes through his mind. Yeah, it was one of those moments where... It's so rare that he scores that he probably didn't quite know what to do. Yes, he said when he scored his his last one, last season, didn't he go um, running away, clipping his uh, heels in the air like a, a music hall star? <laughs> and he just said he didn't know what else to do, so he just sort of did a, a, a sort of a pony gallop. Let's talk about Kiko as well, because after that put us 3-2 up, obviously they pulled it back yet again to 3-3-3. Three, three, three. What was Kiko doing? Because he, he had a weird mixture of a game, did Kiko? Because he was really commanding in some areas, like you're taking corners. Because every time they got a corner these days, you, your reflex action is to go, shit, mm. this is worrying. But actually he commanded his area really, really well for the vast majority of it, but except when it mattered. Well, I think when you're going to come for everything, when you get them, it looks good and commanding. But when you don't, they score, yeah. which is what happened twice. <laughs> yeah, he, I think he was to blame for two of the goals. The one, the one there 
first equaliser, the one that made it two all, he sort of was blocked off a bit yeah. by their striker, but just plough it, just fucking knock him out of the way. You're yeah. a goalkeeper. You've got you've got license to just charge through people and and just twat them. He tried to play that one for the free kick, didn't he? Instead yeah. of just going with uh, going and getting his hands on the ball. Well, he did get his hands on the ball, but only slightly. But nah. Yeah, I want a free kick. No, the ball key call. And then the third, he just he just gets nowhere near it. He just comes for a cross that he's never going to get. I think even if there's nobody in front of him, he probably doesn't get to that. No, and equal, but equally, um, we talked about it as well, that it was a substitute who'd come on and nobody seemed to be marking him. So there's two things wrong. One, Kiko should be coming in, getting there, but also somebody shouldn't be in front of him, heading it over him. Some the defenders have got to be stopping that kind of thing from happening. Yeah, but then we did go four three up straight away from that one. Um, Luke Ayling in the left hand attacking channel supplying Stuart Dallas. I think that was an underrated goal. I didn't realise appreciate the quality of it and the composure, not only for Ayling to pick out Dallas, but Dallas to sweep it in the net as he did. It was a great finish. I watched the highlights of this on YouTube, and it was with the Birmingham City. I follow commentary. They were very disappointed. Was it they? Jasper Carrot? <laughs> he said it was just a lucky speculative shot. Hey, sorry, that didn't sound That's like a Birmingham accent just to me. Just a lucky speculative shot. It was so unlucky, the blows. It was the, every goal we it's scored. Not, it wasn't the blues, was it? It was blues. Blows. Yeah. But yeah, this, it was a lovely finish, was this? Mm-hmm. Dallas absolutely, precisely finishes it into the top corner. Completely calm head, just a little side foot. He knows he's near enough. Someone needs to show this to Alioski. But when he's near the goal, you can just... You can just put it into a place where the goalkeeper's not stood. You don't need to twat it. <laughs> it was a lovely finish. And it was good as well um, from Ailing again, his kind of decision that, right, we've just conceded a daft goal. I'm going to run up the other end and we'll, we'll go back in the lead. It seemed, it seemed definite. Like he was the one player, we miss this sometimes, where players just go, oh, let's just go fucking up there and score. And I'm not going to fanny about. I'm just going to run straight to their penalty area and make something happen. Jackie, have the ball. Give it me back. Right, Stuart, stick that in the goal. Good. Right, we're it, back ahead. Yeah, you're right. It's almost like when the instinctive stuff takes over, apart from with Alioski. But when the instinctive stuff takes over, that's when almost they're at the best. But then sometimes there's almost they have that just that half second to think about it and they think, yeah. right, I've like you're saying about Ailing when he cut inside for his goal. Well, I'll put my foot on it now, and I looked for that little uh, ball in, uh, you know, threaded through for somebody coming around the back from out yeah. wide, which is what they have a tendency to do sometimes. Put your foot on it, but no, great stuff and. Again, I think we probably didn't give enough credit to Berardi for the fifth. Was it? No, it was a brilliant tackle, wasn't it? I mean, he came on to uh, to make sure that we we won four three. So did it, and it was you know it was nothing to do with him that we conceded. It was just fucking hilarious at this point, wasn't it? Um, it was Alioski was the furthest player forward. At, at, of course, he was at, at this at the point that they hit into the enormous gap gap where he should have been stood at left back, and, not, and then Ben White was dragged across, and it meant all the central central defenders were just moved. Yeah. One man further across. I've not seen Ailing's starting position, but he was the one who was behind Djokovic at the back yeah. post as well. So I assume he was quite a long way forward as well. Um, <laughs> See what you mean, Michael, about the whole fullbacks experiment. <laughs> just, just give it a go. I mean, I don't mind us doing it when we're at the start of a game or when we're drawing. Mm. But I just think the 90th minute when you're leading by a single goal isn't yes. the time for everyone to bomb on. <laughs> Although, well, yeah, the 90th, the 94th minute. When it's a, when you'd get a point, yeah. had those fullbacks not been bombing on, do bomb on by all means, bomb on. <laughs> I mean, there was a strong argument for just saying, right, we'll just take a point here because the game had been mad enough, and you just to say if we get out of here four four, that's fine because you know what was what was more likely than than Birmingham scoring a winner. I would have put money as Michael probably did on. Birmingham getting a winner in, in stoppage time after no, I backed, I actually backed 
at the point they equalised, I backed Leeds because we went to, I think we went to seven to, seven to one follow. and I was covering off the fact I would lose if we Just, won. I, it, was confu- <laughs> it was confusing. Yeah, but... I would have been happy with four all at that point and no further damage and just going and lying down quietly and weeping. That would have been a perfectly acceptable way to end it 2019. Ge- it genuinely took me about a good a full day to get over this, just the sheer amount of adrenaline from watching that game. I woke up really, really early morning after, just done it because I couldn't calm down. <laughs> We'd obviously come in and done the match ball and released all that and I'd had the evening to try and process it, but it was like, ah, oh, I'm on Twitter talking about goals. Rah! And then, yeah, I just didn't sleep properly that night. You could sort of see it in uh, Jackie Harrison's non-celebration as well when the, the ball was... He, la- he just laughed. Before. Yeah, he just put his hands in the air and was just like, yeah, don't need to don't need to run anything, run about. I can celebrate this by just standing and looking at the fans. What I think is remarkable, this is quite a stat, uh, 41% of our shots were goals, which is when you look at our inability to convert chances earlier in the season and what Bielsa identified in his post-match in that we were terrible in defence and great in attack, is a flip reverse of, um, yeah. of what we've been doing. I mean, apply 41% of our shots... Uh, into goals against other teams, and we would have scored absolute cricket scores, wouldn't we? Uh, look, yeah, Swansea would have would have scored nine in that game. With the, but the conversion rate forty one percent is is bizarre. I mean, they they managed twenty six percent, which is also freakily high. But looking at games like the Cardiff game, where we basically battered them until they had three shots that went in, they only converted thirty percent of their shots into goals in that on that occasion. And that was a game that we killed them in for the vast majority of it um, Swansea 14% Derby 20% so these are games where we felt like they'd scored their only shot does this even include the fifth goal because it was an own goal is that one of our shots on target that was converted <laughs> does that get included no it won't do will it because it wasn't a shot on goal Not sure actually so it's even better we need to give a bit of credit for the own goal actually because it's when it's you see finish. it when you see it back oh go with the other foot <laughs> he, he goes with his right foot doesn't he and it should really be his left foot. But there's and he almost just twats it straight into the net. There's a, yeah. But there's almost just it almost just sort of bounced off him. It's like everyone was so knackered and spent by that point. It's like there's there's no time to process what's going on there. It was just instinctive movement of foot towards ball, and then it just bounced in. Yeah, he thought this game doesn't deserve to be a draw. <laughs> I love Leeds. It's where it, all the pressure comes under with the way we play under Bielsa with getting so close to the goal on the byline and then pinging it across. It's, it is really difficult for teams to deal with that. And it's not the first time we've had balls just going in off a defender or a goalkeeper like that. So Luke um, Haling's extra it. touch was nice on this as well because he gets it and he could cross it, but he just takes one more touch oh, yeah, just, just, just to yeah. knock it a little bit nearer the line and cut it back. I think that's crucial in this. Yeah, good anticipation of the man coming towards him and great um, play from Costa as well in just threading that ball around the outside. And as we said, Berardi's tackle to, to start it, you know, we... Berardi's first touch, which allowed him to make that tackle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, you know, your, your starting uh, gambit on all this is that we should stop playing our fullbacks high. But what we've learned from a game that Luke Haling dominated creatively is you're wrong. <laughs> is we get a forty-one percent conversion rate, and that uh, the goal was was made by two defenders and a and a winger. So, well, the winning goal at least, and then yeah, we need involving maybe, their defenders is just the next logical step, isn't it? In, in this in this plan, <laughs> and uh, and dropping Bamford to the defence. I'm sure Ben White can do a job in the attack. Let's get him all Bamford forward. Did well, he did well in the commentary box anyway. He did all right, didn't he? Yeah. His squeak when we scored. And I, I noticed the um, one thing I'd missed is when he, he said that Bielsa has renamed um, their training practice where they cut the ball back and they take a touch and shoot. Bielsa's named it the click because apparently he's so good at it that he's named it after him. <laughs> These little things you get out of uh, 
the mouths of, of Bamford. I don't know how many mouths he's got. One. We say thanks again to Levi Solicitors for their support on the podcast. A leads company on board with us, a leads podcast, and they cover all sorts of areas of law, yeah, including like personal stuff, commercial stuff. Not if you're just in bother, okay? Keep out of bother. But either way, get in touch with Levi Solicitors and get 10% off your legal fees when you mention the square ball when you contact them. Don't do drugs, stay in school. That's the message for you, kids. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, have a look at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Well, as we suspected, and as Phil Hay has been talking about on our uh, collaboration podcast with him, Niketia looks like he's off back to Arsenal now. I'm sure that this will be confirmed one way or another by the time this makes it to air, but... Fuck him. <laughs> that how you feel about it? Yeah. The one thing uh, Giuseppe Belushki got right was uh, when he tweeted, fuck all those who do not love the leads. Mm-hmm. Is so, he our most him. expensive per minute player since Seth Johnson? It's an interesting way to look at it, isn't it? I'm sure somebody listening will try and work that out maybe, but this is with the aid of hindsight. It looks like quite a bad deal now, doesn't it? Yeah, the whole not getting a refund on the loan fee in particular. Feels like at the very least we should be able to get a... 50% discount. Get a discount on it, yeah. Or at least be able to... We can resell him on loan somewhere else. Try and sting Bristol for a couple of million quid. At the time it happened, you thought, oh, that's a really good sensible move. But given how it's played out, it feels like there's been a bit of a disconnect somewhere between what maybe Orta wants as director of football and what Bielsa wants. Because you, you do kind of get that impression that Bielsa's never quite fancied him. It just feels to me like Bamford stayed fit. And yeah. Eddie couldn't keep his testicles straight. He would have played if he could have kept his balls in order. He but was going to get a re- he was going to be given four games to play. So it's not that Bielsa didn't fancy him, didn't think he was any good. It was the usual thing of he needs to get him hip to how Leeds play. And then once he was ready to do that, it's like, right, Bamford hasn't scored for a few games. You're in the next one. And then whatever happened with his with his bollocks happened and and that, that fucked it. It would have been a completely different deal if he'd started the game he was going to start. Also, though, is there not an argument to say, and again, it's a question we, we threw at Phil, do you think, think Bielsa has been a little bit naive in his handling of him? Because Bamford was not in great form, and we were saying on this podcast, just put Niketia in, just take the pressure off Bamford, put Niketia in. If, if maybe he'd done that three or four weeks prior when we were saying it. Maybe he'd have, maybe he'd have got his bollocks in a tangle early, though, if he'd been given the opportunity. Maybe that's, maybe that's what, what triggered it. It's making me wince every time you refer to getting his bollocks in a tangle. But do you know what I mean? Like, it, it just feels like it's been quite badly handled and nobody's ever going to tell Bielsa what to do. That much is quite self-evident. He's got free run of the place. So if Orta supplies him with X number of players, he will either use them or not. But given what we've spent on it, it's it's starting to look like a pretty shonky deal. I think what you say about the disconnect between Orta and him is, is probably true because Orta might have bought him or brought him in on loan thinking, he doesn't think he wants him, but I'll buy him for him. I'll get him for him. And when he sees him, he'll love it. It's like a gift you buy for someone that they've not really asked for. But you think, no, they'll, they'll like this. I'm sure they will. And then they never use it and it gets put in a cupboard with twisted bollocks. He was, he was only ever, as far as I understood, a reserve striker anyway. So we needed a, a second striker because Roof had gone. Bamford is quite clearly Bielsa's first choice. So it's a, it's a player in case something happens to Bamford, either form injuries, suspensions, whatever, so that we have somebody else to come on. I know I would agree with that from Bielsa's point of view, but I don't think that's how Orta sold it to Arsenal. That's what I'm saying about the disconnect. I think Orta's gone in there with his famed PowerPoint and said, this is it, you know, he'll be coming to work under one of the best coaches. Um, he'll, you know, you've got this, your stipulation on game time. Not a problem. We'll get him the game time. And it's not played out that way. Well, so fucking what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I struggle to, to care. Like, if, he, mm. if he's not playing, we'll just go and get somebody else. That's a good point, but the, the, it does guess, feel like wasted money, though. Yeah, 
That's I mean, the thing, I mean it, it is, if we're not asked about the money, are we? It's about the replacement, really. We, yeah, but I, I suppose the, it sold to us that we were selling roof so we could get this. We sold a player so we could have borrow someone for half a season to make a handful of substitute appearances. It does feel a little bit like we've we've just blown the cash because it's clear we're not flush with it. And if we're not going to spend, if we've spent this now, it does make you doubt whether or not we will actually go out and spend anything on a replacement. That, or, whether, or whether when we go back to a Premier League team and they say, oh, it's a two million loan fee, mm-hmm. we might go, oh, not again. Well, that's what's, that's what's fueling the anxiety behind this, really, isn't it? It's not necessarily that Niketi has gone back because you get a feeling, like I've sort of been saying, it, he never quite fit the, the, the mould or the template or whatever. So fine, all right, if it doesn't work, yeah, but there's so much hinging on this transfer window now and what happens between now and the end of the season, all amplified by everything that happened this time 12 months ago. Well, the, yes, that's true. And I was just going to say on... And Kessia is a lot of this does seem like hindsight because at the time, you know, we can criticize Victor Orta for going in and, and telling Arsenal that we would use this player, but I didn't have a particular problem with him going through the transfer market where we, you know, how much would it cost to, to buy and Kessia? What are we talking, 20 million quid, something like that, to buy a to buy a young player from the Premier League? Because the whole fucking system is ridiculous. <laughs> so you're trying to get the best player you can for a season. And Eddie Nketiah is probably, you know, we've we've seen him play a bit and we know his reputation. He's one of the hottest prospects in English football. Everybody thinks he's, like, his future is assured as the next Ian Wright and Thierry Henry combined. So to navigate the market and come back and go like, right, we've managed to get the best player available for the season. We've got this probably going to have to try and play him to keep him. I don't think that's necessarily, a, it, it may end up costing, but... I mean, another way to look at it, I suppose, is that he's not been here very long, but he has actually won us points in games that yeah. we wouldn't have won points in. Like the, the Brentford game where he came on and scored. I don't think we'd have broken through in that. He came on at Barnsley and, Preston changed, as well. and changed the game, got us, got us two points there, got us a point at Preston. Mm-hmm. So he's actually, he's actually, we've bought, if it's cost us a few million quid, we've bought five points for a few million quid, which at the end of the season might actually seem like quite good value. And if him and Arsenal weren't being such prissy tits, he could stay. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's their choice. We may not have got him up to the game time limits in the contract that say Arsenal cannot recall him. But there's a situation there where Eddie and his advisors and his club have a choice. Leeds say that they've not had this confirmed that he's going back yet. So me telling him, saying fuck him forever <laughs> is perhaps premature. But why not? Back yourself to get in ahead of Bamford for the rest of the season and win a promotion medal or a champion, a title medal, or at least be part of this and have another six months under. It's, it's I suppose, it's weighing up the benefits of another five, six months being trained by Bielsa and getting in the team more often. I mean, if he plays against West Brom, if uh, if he was good enough to keep his place, is that that question's kind of been taken out of his out of his hands if he decides to go back? But maybe Bielsa does go no. You started, Bamford wasn't fit to play. You started a game. Now it's your shirt to lose. And he's going, actually, fuck it. I want to go and yeah. hang out with Lee Johnson at Bristol and do fuck all. I mean, that that is, uh, and you touched on the system there, is, is I agree exactly with what you're saying there, that the system itself is, is what's at fault here in that you, you're now producing players who have such power, the Premier League clubs have such power with these loans that um, 
it does feel like, like if you, if you look at the ones that went to Derby last year were lording it over us at the end of the playoffs. They yeah, seemed really, but the, they did, but they all seemed very embedded in Derby for that full season. And maybe it's easy to say that because they were they were for the most part playing, but some of them came off the bench. Yeah, um, and it's just that I don't know that it's creating this this generation of players who maybe have a sense of, of entitlement about playing and development. And actually, what will you learn? I think this is where I'm I'm quite defensive about about how it's gone from from the Leeds point of view. I don't think Leeds United exists to make Arsenal's strikers better. We're not their feeder club. I, if all the decisions about his future are being made with what's good for Arsenal, what's good for Leeds is he fucking stays like we agreed. So we loaned him for the season. We paid them a loan fee for the season. All right, we've got this clause on game time, but it's the it's the moment for them to be reasonable, perhaps, in return and say, oh yeah, we know the clause about the, the game time, but he seems happy there and he's doing well. Why doesn't he? Why doesn't he stay? Maybe he'll play some more in the second half of the season, and it'll be good experience for him to be part of a a, a promotion race rather than fucking mid-table nonsense in Wales or wherever Bristol is. And you, you don't see us asking for J. Roy Grot back, do we? Well, exactly. <laughs> and why is that? Because we're we're better people than Arsenal. Exactly. But it's instead it's no Eddie wants to play, so Eddie has to go to another club. And I'm sure at Bristol, whoever the fuck plays up front for them is thinking, well, who's this little wanker coming in that thinks he's going to start every game? I would actually, I would have, I would go and shake mm. Lee Johnson's lying little hands if he takes uh, Eddie and Kessie for the rest of the season and just sticks him on the bench. That is interesting, actually, that you wonder if um, a player like that coming into a squad does have a slightly disrupting effect. Actually, you know, going into Bristol and suddenly I'm walking in expecting game time. Yeah. Um, and you've got to earn it. You've got to earn that game time. And suddenly if players have been favoured above others. And the, whoever yeah. is their number nine, I mean, we don't even know who this pass is, but it's going to be looking at him and thinking, you're going to take my shirt, but you couldn't even get Pat Bamford out of Leeds team. So how good are you? What what gives you the God-given right to, to come and start? And that's, it's annoying. And it's, it is, it's this whole thing of the way that the Premier League and parachute payments and all that stuff have distorted everything so that some clubs can just go and buy a player for 20 million and have him as their reserve striker or their first choice striker mm. and that's fine. We can't because we don't get the funding from broadcasting money because Sean Harvey shafted that for the EFL so nobody's got fuck all compared to the Premier League. I saw somebody on Twitter wondering why we can't compete with the teams around us in the transfer market when our turnover is the highest in the in the championships. Because, well, West Brom has still got parachute payments for when they came out of the Premier League. And Fulham were in the Premier League last season absolutely rolling in parachute payment money. So our budget... We're actually, we're actually not allowed to. Is the yeah. long and short of. Well, we, just, we do not have the £100 million that Fulham got for getting relegated from the Premier League last season. So... It's it's very easy for uh, and West Brom will still be getting something like fifty million from being relegated from the season before because you get it over three seasons. So if it comes to this this uh, January transfer window and West Brom, uh, the rumours are that they might go for Jared Bowen, we're all going to be tearing our heads out because because we want him. But if it's a twenty million pound deal, that's half of their second season parachute payments that they get for being fucking failures. And we don't get that money. So it's so what we are forced to do is put ourselves in this ridiculous situation with Enketia where we go to, we have to go and beg a Premier League team who have got the best striker around. And at least we did aim high. We didn't just go for some fucking Gary Medine kind of nonsense. We went and got a hot prospect who everybody absolutely loved and was delighted to see here. But we have to go and beg and then we have to go and 
get into this. Liverpool, Liverpool actually do put it in the contract how many games he must play. I'm, a, I'm at least a little bit more relaxed about a thing where um, if you don't play him this many times, then you'll then you, we we might want to take him back. But the whole you know they must start so many games they must get this. It's all it just puts us in a real awkward position and it's because we've been down here so fucking long we this goes away if we go up and then come back down again but we're not going to come back down again because no. we'll win the league yeah. we'll win the, the Premier League well it's fourth first season back and then champions the season <laughs> after isn't it and it's funny actually what you you sort of touched on there Che Adams is one of the players who's been whose name has been floated around and, and that's exactly what Southampton have done they've dropped what you know 15 to 20 million on him yeah. and just not bothered yeah. <laughs> just, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely balmy um, and now we yeah again and so the loan the loan fee for him, you might be right, it could be more than we can afford. We might not be able to afford to loan five months of a player that Southampton bought and don't even play. It's fucking ridiculous and it's, you know, it's just the the, the disparity between the Premier League and the, the Championship. It's Sean Harvey's fucking fault. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Sean Harvey's fault about Jack Clark? Because um, that feels like something that's, again, another move that again, with hindsight, doesn't really make a, a right lot of sense. I mean, we've kind of touched on this many times over the past few weeks, so we don't need to spend too long on it, but it just feels a bit like it was a bit weird for everybody, this one. That felt like it had gone wrong straight away. As soon as he wasn't getting any game time in the opening couple of games, you thought, yeah, he's not going to, no. he's not going to really get in. It's funny, when we were talking on the Phil Hay one about Dan James and stuff from the, from the year review, not only did we fail to get Dan James at the end of January, we kind of lost another winger in Jack Clark as well, because he basically was shit from that point onwards. He'd been really good in his little cameo appearances. Then he went to Borough, had whatever happened on the bench. And that was, was that end of Jan, start of Feb? It's around that time, yeah. Sometime. And then had a crate of Red Bull. And... From that point on, he didn't do, he didn't contribute at all for the rest of the season. So we went in with minus a winger. And this year again, when he's, when I've seen, even when I've seen him in the under 23s this year, mm. he's mm. played, he's played well once that I've seen. But generally speaking, he's not even stood out in that. Like even the, like McCarran has looked better, who's just arrived from Carlisle. You wonder is is the hunger there, or do you, is there a certain amount of? And this is why we why we kind of first uh, first for yeah. Red Bull. No, but you you can see this with players who've got lots of talent, but don't necessarily have the, the mentality and the desire to to push through into full professionalism. And you wonder if because he's got his big money move and Ian Hart's maybe been in his ear saying, "Oh, you know, you've, you've made it now. You're at Spurs, nine and a half million quid." That maybe in some way it, it's changed his thinking a bit. It does make me think seeing him in the reserves, seeing McCarran, who's just arrived from Carlisle, and Jack Clark, who's just arrived from. Champions League, Tottenham Hotspur, and one of them looks better than the other, and it's not the way around you would imagine. It does, it does make you sort of think: Is his head in the right place, or was he ever not actually as good as maybe he first appeared? Jack Clark seemed always bringing him back. Always seemed like a bit of squad filler. You know, he knows the club, he knows the system. We can have him. It won't, I assume, have cost us anything particular in terms of a loan fee. It will all just have been. Part of the deal, we get him back. We don't have to go and and beg anybody to have him. It's easy. It's easy to get, and we we know about him. We've not needed him. I think that's the the long and short. He he may he's suffered more than we have because we've you know Harrison and uh, Costa, Alioski, Dallas. How many other wingers have we got? We're and, we're all right for wingers. Yeah, but it, and, when, and when they move on, you stop giving a shit, really, don't you? It made sense just to have him if the opportunity was there and it was kind of like well we can have him and we know about him and he's a good reserve um, it's fine and 
and he doesn't have to be even be in the squad. And he he wasn't for a lot of games because mm. the uh, the number of loanies we can have. Interesting to see Bielsa though talking about replacing him. That'll be one to watch. Mm. Whether, whether we actually go out there and get somebody who he's got the intent of bringing into the squad, or whether it is just a another reserve. But we we will see, won't we? We will see on that one. There, were, there did seem to be something from um, the way Phil Hay again was was been writing about this. He's kind of rounded up the transfer intentions um, going forward is that with the Jack Clark's wages with what we do save in and Ketia's wages which and again that's the, the the other factor what what wage do we think he's on at Arsenal 60 grand a week it'll be something maybe not him. that much but it'll be something you'd at least think, you'd think at least 30s if not maybe 40 grand that seems to be about what so he'll be earning maybe up to double what our highest earning players earning so we get a big a big chunk of saving on wages wrap that money up together with you know Kane's wages if we get rid of him um, and there was some talk of us finally selling Louis Coyle to Fleetwood although Blackpool apparently want a nibble which would be it would be hilarious if he after all his service on loan to Fleetwood then <laughs> fully Judas them yeah, Simon Grayson's there isn't he Leeds well, exactly so that would be hilarious but I don't know maybe there would be a fee involved but certainly some wages off and apparently a league one team wants Chubitsky so I mean, wonders never cease. And then the the income from this Arsenal FA Cup match that's kind of an unexpected bonus. Wrap all that up together and we've got a chunk to do something in, in the loan market that it might be more from the way Phil was, was pitching. Erling Haaland, maybe? <laughs> just to say, hi Dortmund. It might be more... New five-year um, contract for Berardi. Euphoric <laughs> than we were expecting. We shall see. Let's just um, take a left turn now onto Radrizani and, and what he said on Twitter. Um, to that fan who uh, we were actually tagged into that chain. It was just sort of, it was an anxiety tweet about let's not get this one wrong. There was no attacking the club. There was no attacking Radrazani. He tagged the guy, just tagged Radrazani in it saying, come on, you know, don't mess this one up kind of thing. And Radrazani, I don't know whether it was because it was evening, maybe he had a little bit of the old amaretto or something. And uh, he just he just had a little nibble back with sarcasm attached. And I mean, I on the square ball account kind of pulled him up on it a little bit. Not really that helpful, Andrea. It just needs to... Just don't go on there. He needs to have an account that's just anonymous. Not got his name on. He can just look at stuff then. He could could just call himself like Leeds Lad 0843 or something. He can just browse other people's stuff. (laughs) Mellis. See what Celine Patel did. Exactly. Just look at stuff. I don't. I don't really mind him looking at stuff. But mm. all right. And tell, well, why? Why shouldn't a football club owner be on Twitter? But is, is there not a question? Has he not got a right to reply? Is that is the question of this one? He's got a right to reply, but also he's a position where he shouldn't be, shouldn't be such a sarky puss. Lose the sarcasm. Great. We need lots of po- positive feeling and people as you. Uh, just try to look at life positively and smile. I mean, he did kind of. He got, he went very weird. Good luck to you. Yeah, don't be a weirdo on Twitter. That's maybe what um, Radrizzani needs to bear in mind. Tweet if you want. And the whole know. issue of faith, it's like, you know, we, we backed you to the hilt, This you being this club, yeah, um, to the hilt last season and it backfired spectacularly in the end. And, you know, blame perhaps could be apportioned about the transfer activity in January or the coaching methods, whatever it might be. But we gave our everything as fans last season. So, to tell us to keep the faith. That's why I build it as a, it feels like a bit of a misstep from Radrazani that it just, just say nothing, let people be anxious. And as you've said before, Moscow, if the worst that people are doing is saying, mm. spend some money, spend some money, buy yeah. some players, buy some players, it's probably all right. That's what, because all football club owners get it. He falls into, he doesn't understand what I don't think Chilino understood. 
GFH didn't care about and Ken Bates thought was funny was the is how long we've been out of the the Premier League and how long we've been trying to get back. Andrea Rotrizzani has turned up. This is his third season, his third full season in in charge plus the the half Chilino. And so it's all right for him to be like, oh, we, everybody needs to be patient and keep the faith and and keep it together. We're not. I don't think you know the person who is, was tweeting at him has necessarily got that fraying around the edges and impatience and lack of faith, particularly entirely due to Andrea Ratrizzani. It's due to the 12 years building up to that and then the three years since where it's just carried on. We're not losing patience after three years of Andrea Ratrizzani. We're losing patience. We, we, we lost patience before he ever got here and that's what he doesn't get. And he just has to accept that what he's dealing with is several tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, really impatient people. And that's a fact. That is a fact of the of the fan base. And it's not going to, to change by telling us all to have, you know, try to look positively and smile. We keep referring to Phil Hay, but he did liken it to almost like a form of PTSD with what's happened with Leeds, because we're we're so damaged from all the all the repeated failures that that's where the anxiety comes from. And you need to be mindful of that when you're dealing with Leeds fans. But I I think, and and it's something I flagged up in one of the replies was about him living in the bubble and it's not his fault. Well done to him for having a successful business and making lots of money and having a very nice life. Good on him. But, you know, he doesn't really exist outside that bubble. You know, as we saw from the documentary, you've got the private jets coming in and he's getting a driver to the stadium. It's an existence in a bubble. And unless you step outside that, you might not be aware of what the people outside that bubble are actually properly experiencing. I think the other thing as well is that we've got a fear about what happens this year if we don't go up because this is this is the only football club we've got. We don't really have any option. At the end of the season, if we don't go up for him, he might go, okay, well... He'll sell. We'll sell. I'll try and sell the club. If not, I'll sell Calvin Phillips. I'll sell Bamford. I'll sell Ailing. We'll regroup. We'll operate on a different budget. We'll have a new manager. We'll try and do things. And that, for us kind of is the end of the world. It's like, that's back to square one again. Whereas with him, he's like, oh, well, that's fine. No money was lost. I think he may, I mean, if you take what he said previously at at face value, he's as impatient as anyone. Because from the the day he arrived, he was saying, uh, doing interviews saying, I can't afford to, to lose money in the championship forever. Nobody makes money in the championship. There's got to be a time limit on this. I'm impatient for promotion. If we don't go up, and he said, if we don't go up within five years, that's my time limit. And that's when I'll sell. And there's a lot of, reasonable consideration to think that he might not go for that that reset and give it the the last two years and may just see if it doesn't work with Bielsa it's not going to work and and sell up so he he should understand that impatience because he arrived with it built in where he said I'm going to give this five years and then and if it don't work I'll go you know we've been giving it 15 years since we were relegated well more than that now isn't it it's 16 years since we were out of the Premier League. So that's nearly, this is me and Mass again, three times as long as he was prepared to give it. Yeah. And we'd been doing it twice as long as he has been as he was prepared to, to give it before he even got here. And well, most of those years, we have not even been trying to do it to get back in the Premier League. Most of those years we've spent in the bottom reaches of the Championship or League One. That is maybe where uh, some sympathy kicks in because he's also paying the price of... Um, being the person who's taken us close, so now it's it's the the pressure that's building around him, and what you're seeing when people are talking about the January transfer window is on him to not fuck it up. Whereas 
Chilino and GFH, we were just finishing 15th every season. So the, the, the pressure was kind of, please don't run the club so badly that it closes. Now it's, please don't fuck up success, which is a different kind of pressure, but it's still born of the same frustration, impatience mm. and, and waiting that we've been through that he just needs to understand yeah, and better and, than this makes him makes him appear to. And what it does is it, it pours fuel on the fire when he does stuff like that because even if his point is entirely reasonable, there are always going to be some fans who go, I don't like that and I don't agree with yeah. you. And I'm guilty of it because I was the one who tweeted back from the, the Square Ball account. And so I, you know, you, you kind of then you exacerbate the bonfire because that's what it turns into. Well said, Andrea, or you shouldn't be sarcastic and then round and round. And it's forgotten in a day or two, but it still heightens all the anxiety. And I think it's just it's just not necessary. Just let it slide. It's quite possible that, because as you've mentioned, he's a, he does live in a bubble and he's very successful. He's maybe just not used to people telling him he's yeah. not very good. Mm which is what essentially gets on Twitter is loads yeah. of Leeds fans saying, uh, he, he you wants, need to he, do better. He wants people to be more grateful, I think, probably at the, at the core yeah. of this, yeah. yeah. But you don't get that out of football and, and people who are in football uh, know that. I mean, Angus Kinnear isn't on Twitter, is he? If he is, he keeps it very, uh, very quiet. But we know from uh, conversations with him that he's very aware of, of what goes on. Didn't he once, when we were being stopped from selling, he actually contacted us because he'd seen a tweet before we went to him and got it sorted. So he's out there monitoring it, but has got the good sense, perhaps, because he's worked in football at Arsenal and West Ham and, and was a Luton fan, to not get involved, that it's not the place for football executives. Uh, it's not the place for footballers half the time. I mean, you see when, you know, they're all clapping back at, at fans. The only ones who uh, who seem able to deal with it is the, uh, the Peterborough chairman, but he just, you know, just gives it both barrels, tells everybody to fuck off anyway. So it, it's not really a problem when uh, when you know that's that's coming. But when you've got somebody who, who likes to be seen smiling and, and glad-handing and um, family and community and positivity and all this being a bit of a um, sarcastic Sarah. Um, <laughs> Sorry to any Sarahs listening. I don't know why I picked on <laughs> Sarah in particular. Then he... Uh, it's just not a good look. And it's, it's, it, I mean, if I had a private jet full of whiskey, I wouldn't be fucking looking at my mentions on Twitter. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. 
Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So despite all the anxiety that does surround Leeds United in this season, we are definitely going up, as we've been saying since day dot. And Look at we, the league table. It's fine, yeah, isn't it? We are. Um, and we are going to be having a party at the end of the season. Uh, Eden J. Harris, our mate Garden, who's on Twitter, he's been tracking the booze baton for us, which started in Leeds. So we said at the start of the season, the end of season promotion party starts in Leeds. When we are beaten, it will go to that town or city and then so on and so forth until whoever's got it at the end of the season is where we will turn up mob-handed, get drunk and go home again. Mob-handed is going to be a phrase that's used in the court case. when you, <laughs> if they'll, they'll play that clip back of you saying, you did say you would turn up mob-handed. What so, does that imply? So where are we now? It feels like it's been a while since we've uh, we've dealt with this. Well, Liverpool had it, and then because of their uh, that World Club Championship, they left it in Britain in the hands of some children. So they played Aston Villa and got spanked in the cup. Um, so then it went from Villa and it's currently with Southampton as a result of Liverpool's carelessness. Mm. So uh, there was somebody who did tweets, I think, about this, saying that it's got the potential for us all to board a cruise ship that ends like in a sort of a Titanic-style <laughs> disaster. Let's hope not. It could be the, it's the Che Adams party. We could all go around his house. Funny you mentioned... his uh, southern promotion, promotion do. You mentioned cruise ships. I was looking for reviews of, of shit nightclubs and um, the famous... Does it still exist, Oceana? Oceana, 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 yeah, yeah. Oceana. Does it still exist? The one in Leeds is shut, hasn't it? The one in uh, Leeds is Prism. It became Prism, it? yeah. Same yeah. company, rebadged it, threw some paint on the walls. <laughs> Fair enough. I spent, I spent years immersed in that world. I know, I know how it works. Don't worry. Because one of the reviews for for it on um, TripAdvisor is it, clearly an old couple who have left a review for a cruise ship. I don't know what they were expecting of Oceana, but the review reads. I mean, there's loads of stuff at the start about how they've had a terrible year and my cousins been ill and we've had a bereavement and all this stuff and we booked this cruise to to really turned up and it was like a nightclub and then I mean this doesn't sound like it's, maybe the, their expectations of a nightclub are too high but the valance around the bed was extremely old and was threadbare in places the kettle was outdated and grubby the surrounding panel on the plugs on the only plug socket of the dressing table was that, in a state uh, of disrepair doesn't that boil your piss though when you get into a hotel and there's only one plug socket and there's not a, one next to the bed it's not even a hotel it's a boat it's a, oh it's a boat nightclub it's a hotel can you imagine I mean I've never been on a cruise but can you imagine you're literally like it's not like you can go to another boat anyway <laughs> I've just, I just misread this I thought it said the bathroom was so tired that my husband struggled to shower properly in it and was too tired but it too was tired so oh. I thought the husband was simply too tired to shower in this in this tiny bedroom television wasn't up to date um but yeah, they were confined to the cabin, it seems. The, the cha- coast of channels was poor. Repetition of programming on the TV, they're complaining about. See, this is it. What, why go on a cruise? Frankly, you, you we just stayed be... in better caravans and budget hotels than this supposedly upmarket ship. You will do, because you can go to places instead of just trapping yourself on a, a sea-laden, I don't know, what is it, death ship if it sinks, isn't it? <laughs> Oceana as a whole, though, doesn't sound, as, uh, doesn't sound great either. Greg Smith says literally far too much in this this review, unless they had, the bouncers do have particularly strong legs. Literally wouldn't we on this place if it was burned to the ground, booked a booth and literally got appalling service. Attendant came over when they can, uh, when they can be bothered and after visiting the first aid room, we literally got kicked out. Not metaphorically. Literally kicked. Bouncers, absolutely enormous legs. Mm. Adama Traore style legs just booting them down the stairs. We've got Arsenal coming up then in the FA Cup this week and we are dealing with, you remember the 1991 four-way action cup marathon? 
Well, you might not if you're too young, but in 1991, before this was, this was the thing that actually killed off cup replays, wasn't it? This um, this sequence of four matches in early 1991 uh, against Arsenal just could not be separated until the fourth game at Ellen Road, which of course we lost because it's what Leeds tend that's to do. Leeds. Yeah, uh, we're dealing with that on the Extra Ball, our subscription podcast this week, and have a look back at those games and what it was like, and the Gulf War and the fall of the Berlin Wall and all those other topical touch points from the time. Um, we bring you bonus content every week on the Extra Ball, and you support us as well if you get behind it and you can check it out with your first month for free um, at the squareball.net forward slash the extra ball on to Arsenal momentarily then first of all we've got West Brom tomorrow on New Year's Day I'm not too bothered about this game are you I mean I'm fine if we lose it as long as we put in a decent performance and we can just crack on easy win you think yeah we'll win this uh yeah <laughs> mm, yeah but they hadn't until the weekend they hadn't lost since we beat them but they have been Tapering off, haven't they? They've, they've, formed, they've dropped loads of points in recent weeks, drawing against Barnsley and Wigan, and teams they should, teams that are promoted teams should really beat. Because if you can't beat Wigan, you can't go up. Them's the rules, as we found out. I think we're going to beat them easily, and then probably not win another game all season. That's... It would be a very sort of Leeds, wasn't it? Because we will, that's, it will, it'll happen like that. We'll beat yeah. them, and, and the excitement of beating, and we'll them. think that then it's done. Then, yeah, because the other games, Fulham are at home to Reading. Potential very expensive banana skin from the the Waitrose lots. Um, Sheffield Wednesday are relevant because they're going to get relegated with points deduction. Who else do we need to worry Brent, about? Brentford and Bristol play each other, so right. one of them's dropping points. Maybe they uh, is that for the right to loan Eddie and Katia? <laughs> so let's assume um, Fulham are going to lose away to Reading because Fulham are a myth. Well, they're at home, so apart from that, you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we beat West Brom. We'll be three points clear of second. And we'll be 11 plus 3, 14, <laughs> 14 points clear. And everybody will lose their damn minds. And then we'll lose all our games and finish, what's the lowest, 21st? Something like that. Uh, more sensibly, Michael, how do you fancy this one's going to go? Christ, I, I would have said... It's hard to call, isn't it? It certainly is after the other, the last game. I mean, you can't really legislate for anything after that. the way that panned out this is uh, this is me almost wanting to tempt fate for a nil-nil which I'd happily take I think there'll be lots of goals in it because I can't see us not scoring and them not scoring it'll be, it might be it might be 5-4 again that's mm. my prediction it could really be that it could be really really close and only one goal in it or it could be another nine goaler couldn't it I mean if we could win this 1-0 that'd be so nice yeah some some steadiness would be welcome the uh, whoscored.com does does make them sound quite good, though. They are very strong in four areas. Finishing scoring chances, creating chances using through balls that they then finish, uh, creating chances through individual skill, and also coming back from losing positions, which does make that 5-4 thing sound quite l- likely. They're also strong at attacking down the wings. So fortunately, uh, Gianni Arioski had a good warm-up for that um, in the last game. Creating long-shot opportunities, shooting from direct free kicks, and they're also also strong at protecting the lead. So I guess it, it might be uh, the other way around from the Birmingham game where they will keep going. Uh, no, we're going to keep going ahead. What happened in the Birmingham game? It went crazy. I it? think we're going to win. They're, def- they're weak. They've got loads of weaknesses. Defending set pieces, 
stopping opponents from creating chances, defending against long shots, so Luke Ayling can uh, warm his, his traction engine up, defending against skillful players, so Alioski just needs to forget about defending and go forward, and they are weak at avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, but, I mean, we never score from a free kick anyway, so mm-hmm. won't matter. Makes me feel like we're going to win that. What I would say is that it's not going to take the same form as the Birmingham game, in that we were rampant for kind of that first 20 minutes and found ourselves two up. They should peg us back a little bit more, so it'll mean the game has different shape. Maybe we get those opportunities to play on the break. They might suit us. It might be um, refreshing to play an actual good team and have a proper football match with them that we win. I'd be happy with that. I mean, hopefully David Moyes is going to do the decent thing and, and insist Dean Garner goes back to West Ham as well. In the, I know he has played more or less every game for them, but I think they should take him straight back just, yes. to, just to fuck up their season. That's kind of what happened with them last year, wasn't it? They had Harvey Barnes on yeah. loan, who was in really good form for the start of the season. Then last year just went, actually... We're going to use him, if that's all right. And the other I mean, actually, got... yeah, actually, you know, there's a, there's parallels there with Niketia when you think about it. But we've at least he's not been crucial for us. He's just been a part-time player for us. They Bench also have um, Pereira is their other good player who's also on loan, but they seem to have a deal in place to buy him. But he's, he's the one who pulls all the strings from him and lays everything on. And then Charlie Austin dives. <laughs> no, it wasn't Charlie Austin who dived, was it? He just was the beneficiary of the... Uh, the penalty. No, I think he he did dive. It wasn't, it wasn't him diving for the for the one at Preston. It was someone else. But um, yeah, he took he took the penalty and enjoyed it probably. Like the cheat he is. I mean, we've beaten them once. We can beat them again. Hmm. It can go either way, and I don't think what we don't need to do is lose our shit if we don't win a draw. I think we would all take. And even if they beat us, as long as we don't get absolutely thrashed like last season, I think that's the important thing is to avoid a thrashing. But then we thrashed them back. So all's fair in in love and thrashing. So we do kind of mentally keep falling back on the example of last season in that we did that so we can think, ah, actually, if they do thrash us, that's fine. However, we also think last season we collapsed after Christmas. I'm falling back on the example of October when we beat these useless wankers, so I'm I'm quite comfortable that we'll just beat them again. They did have the uh, the running of that game for a long spell, though, didn't they? When but we, we won. It? Kyle yeah. Bartley scored the goal and we won. Well, hopefully another tight game rather than them running away with it. That would upset me if they ran away with it. I don't think that would make me very happy. It's good that they're in bad form. That, that's encouraging because they're going to be they're nervous. To be they're, going, they're going to be nervous as well. Yeah, and they, as we've touched on earlier, with the parachute payments, that money is. Do they get one more year of it, but a lower? They get one more year, but it's lower again, isn't it? So yeah. If they don't go up this year, they they're probably going to be in some shit. They only have to. They'll be getting rid of players rather than buying them next year. You get a bigger FFP allowance as well if you've in the first three seasons after the Premier League. So it's it is all in. Uh, their favour rather than ours. So we are striking. It's like a Robin Hood. We're going to steal from the the rich and give to the poor, which is us. So we're keeping it. <laughs> Speaking of which, we're off to Arsenal as well. And as we were saying earlier on, gate receipts that will help us, no doubt, as we go into the transfer. Do no, we, no, gate receipts that we no doubt just leave them with because we owe them for Niketia probably. Do we get a cut of the sushi sales? We should do. Are we asked about Arsenal? Is it? Is this not... It's a bit of an inconvenience, isn't it, this game? It'd be nice. It'll be hilarious when we beat them. I think it'll be particularly funny when we beat them with our reserves. Robbie yeah. Gotts scores on his on his full debut. Well, his debut. He's not played at all, has he? I mean, they're shit. They're like, mm. looking at their results, they're actually genuinely terrible at, at the moment. So we could just beat them. If you, they're Patrick Aubameyang away from being, you know, Aston Villa at the moment. He's their only, he seems to be their only actual decent player. And I think we might unfortunately win this. I think we uh, <laughs> I think we put out a team that doesn't include a striker in protest. Maybe give, um, try playing without a goalkeeper as well, just to 
to get used for Ki- to Kiko not being there. It, just it genuinely will be interesting to see how we set up against the Premier League team that are going to play vastly differently to the to the majority of the Championship in that they will expect to come and impose their game on us and see how Bielsa's football works in that context. I mean, we saw how it worked against Scum in the summer. Mm. It didn't, but you know, we weren't fit. Like, we've gone a long way, and all the other circumstances. It does depend on what team Arsenal put out and what team we put out because it could turn out to be like it's a glorified under 23 match and that's the glory of the FA Cup now and yeah it, but it may be down to uh, if Bielsa just thinks actually I want to make a mark in the FA Cup I want to make a mark on a, a Premier League team before I'm playing them all next season and decides to play our first team against the children of Arsenal who perhaps because they're not educated in the art of tackling will will injure um, our players one by one, starting with Patrick Bamford uh, just after Eddie Nketiah's gone back. An injury of spite. Just an injury of accident. You can't have a load of kids flailing about the pitch when the adults are trying to play a game. It's always going to end with uh, bruised knees or worse. Heroes and villains then from the Christmas period, if you may, please, gentlemen. Uh, First, we will start off with the Ken Bates Villainy Award, somebody who's made things a little bit worse for us over the Christmas periods. Ken Bates has to have a nomination, part of the custom of this feature that he does. He can't win it, but what's he getting nominated for? Well, he ruined my Christmas day. It was a bit um, distasteful, wasn't it, his Christmas message? Yeah, I didn't like that. Very disappointing. Well, you know when um, Apple launched uh, an iPod and everybody got a a U2 album that they didn't want. <laughs> a bit like that. <laughs> All I, you know, I subscribe to the Squareball podcast so I can uh, listen to myself. <laughs> and I didn't want to tune in on Christmas Day and hear what was quite clearly not me or any of us withering on in a most distasteful manner. Yeah, nobody needed to hear that many mouth noises on Christmas Day did they? When, when food is the order of the day. You could, you could, you could almost... Hear the dregs of turkey in his beard. Considering doing a diet series, which is just Ken chatting to you about food, just to put you off everything that you ever enjoyed eating. <laughs> and who else are we going to have then in the Villainy Award? Keith Stroud, obviously for the... Um, do you think he had a turkey at Christmas or probably some other... Probably go for a, maybe a roast ham. Yeah, yeah. Something, probably, probably yeah. something like that. Go for, yeah. go for a gammon. But he booked Luke Ayling for complaining that they'd taken a free kick in our half for on offside and Ketty was offside they brought the ball forward far enough that it was in a position he could not have ever been offside in and yeah Luke Ayling was just just telling him that and I think that upsets Keith Isn't there some rule about this now? I did see some discussion of it but it didn't make sense to me Yeah I don't know but you just don't book don't book <laughs> don't book Ailing, he booked Kiko as well for uh, dissent. He, he probably had it coming in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> who knows what was coming out of his mouth. I guess we'll, we'll find out when the report's published. Uh, who else we got? Pep Glatet. Right. Moaning about the referee, imagine. How dare he? If he only knew the true story um, about the uh, the referee, he, he may have had some did, grounds. Did we, did we benefit from a lot of decisions as he suggested or is that... I just, don't even... Do you imagine that? I don't remember this corner goal kick thing that he's he's talking about or a lot of decisions going our way I know Birmingham benefited from us giving them four equalisers I don't know what more he wants but more sort of generosity do you need three equalisers wasn't it Because but four goals yeah I mean we gave them every every opportunity we possibly could the referee might not have helped them but a word of thanks to us Pep might have been nice who else we got Erling Haaland claims to be a Leeds fan doesn't he January's coming up what's he gone time for Dortmund 
Not good enough, is it? Scumbag. Yeah. Absolute scum. Are we going to nominate Victor Orter as well for not getting that deal done? <laughs> it should have done, really. James Milner as well signed a new contract at Liverpool. Yeah. Thus dashed the narrative. Smashed it against the rocks. I can only assume that, you know, they're looking longer term. They're maybe looking... Well, Haaland probably knows he won't get in the team over Bamford. Yeah, this is it. We see what happened to with Anketia. That's going to be the problem now. We, we The messy deal is... He's not going to be coming because he's not guaranteed playing time. It's going to be a problem. Is that all we've got for this week then? Football. Just nominate football as a game. It's fucking rubbish, isn't it? VAR has made football rubbish. No, I'm not talking about that. 5-4. Like, just don't. Don't. <laughs> don't. I was I was happy when, um, you know, the Champions League semi-finals last year when they had all those last-minute goals and Liverpool came back against Barcelona and all that. I thought, fucking hell, that, that's brilliant. Like, football's great. I really enjoyed watching them. Us... Winning 5-4, just, no, just don't do it. There's this, like, a 1-0 win would be fine, a couple of 2-0s, not a problem. Don't put me through this. So football. Football, okay, who else? And uh, also, like, for the last 10 years, it's given us nothing, really, has it? That's true, yeah. So if, we have, <laughs> that's true. if we have, want to round up uh, a bit of the 20-teens, football is definitely a, a, a strong nominee, I feel. Uh, who else, or is that your lot? Should we pick one from those? Give it to Keith. <laughs> he didn't really do anything... Drastically wrong, isn't he? But... annoying, though, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's, he has just... Out of all the candidates, he's brought us the least, hasn't he, this, um, this yeah. festive period? As we're talking about for the extra ball, I was watching back some of the, the 1991 Cup games, and referees in those days dressed like daft little schoolboys in little <laughs> little black shorts. I feel like I feel like modern referees, they, they get it too good, they strut around in that gear, mm. and it's like sometimes it's fluorescent and yeah. stuff. And Look you, at me in my bright pink. You can tell they yeah. think they're a bit special in it. Get them dressed like little little dickheads in, in black black shirts and small shorts again. Let them know their place, I think. Keith Stroud does always kind of look like he's put a suit on to go to the pub in the afternoon <laughs> on a Tuesday. He's got that look about him. So, yeah, Stroud... Congratulations, Keith Stroud. I dare say this is not the uh, the last we will hear of him across the course of this season. On to uh, the Andy Hughes Hero Award, then. People who've made us smile or contributed to our joy across the last week or so. Luke Ayling, a yep. goal, mm-hmm. two assists, and... Um, Multiple lots, celebrations. Lots of mental celebrations and um, lovely hair. If you want to read my... Um, I don't often promote it, but me column in the Yorkshire Evening Post today, I do speculate on whether we could see the rest of the season out in comfort by weaving um, a hammock out of Luke Ailey's hair. But I, I conclude that's probably not enough of it to go around. You're running, out, a, running out of ideas. <laughs> whenever he takes his uh, his hairband off and shakes that mane out, I'm always struck by how soft and lovely it looks. It's like a Timothée advert, isn't it? It's, it? He just needs to be pissing about under a waterfall. and uh... If only... I mean, was he here when uh, Chilino made his calendar? I guess he... No, he, he signed just afterwards... We need to get uh, Chilino and uh, Terry George pretending to be involved in it to make the Luke Ayling glamour calendar that we've all been crying out for. It's what the world needs, isn't it? Did you see the video doing the rounds of, of two two drunk men speaking, to, chanting Luke Ayling at an even more drunk man in the yes. centre of Leeds and licking his hair? And the man just goes, who the fuck is Luke Ayling? He did have a Scandinavian accent, didn't he? That, yeah. To explain why you've... Yeah, he wasn't... I mean, he was he was very drunk as well, but yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure he was not from not from Leeds. And that's what we like about the Scandinavians. They drink heavily, like we do. Who else do we want to mention then? Kev Holroyd, who was the man um, inside Lucas the Copcat in the, the mid-2000s. He's, uh, he's passed away just before Christmas. Uh. Um, but did got to some good antics as Lucas. The, the, 
the one that's recalled in the, uh, the Evening Post is shaking hands with Roy Keane for absolutely ages. It says, uh, I saw him walking towards us and went to shake his hand. I grabbed it as tight as I could and I went, I've got you, bastard. I wouldn't let go. Uh, he had a face like thunder and could hear me laughing my head off inside the suit, which is a great, just a great image of Roy Keane. Who, <laughs> no time for frivolity at in his life, has he? he? Doesn't even like players, you know, messing around, having fun. But yeah, he hates like camaraderie in the tunnel, doesn't he? Yeah. So to have to have like a large a large cat shaking his hand and not letting go is just a, such a beautiful image. So I remember vividly. Uh, I think it was a, a half time against Watford when their goalkeeper coach was warming up with their. Um, I think it was just before they restarted. He was doing some bits with the keeper to warm him up for the second half, and he was throwing the ball to him. And every time he threw the ball to him, the cop cat Kev pretended he was going to kind of snatch it. He was standing about six feet away, but every time he kind of, he made a big grabbing motion as if the ball was being thrown at him. And the goalkeeper coach ended up getting absolutely outraged with him, tried moving to a different part of the pitch and he followed and then started yelling at him, telling him to go away. And uh, and then obviously then the cop cat's turning to the, the cop itself, giving it the old, like putting his, his paw over his mouth and pointing at the goalkeeper coach. Brilliant shit housing. Yeah, we like that. And whilst we're doing other honourable mentions, a mention for the Conway family. Uh, Dan Conway tweeted us to show um, us all the merchandise that him and his brothers had all bought one another off our off our online store. Yeah. So thank you for putting food on the table. Yeah, it's been a good Christmas, thanks yeah. to you. Uh, thanks to the Conway boys. Thank you. I am seeing in the photo of them, there's, there's, there's two hoodies, two Leeds Caraggio hoodies being worn, one draped over somebody's shoulder, then there's a a logo hoodie and then the the other one, the other Conway brothers wearing two jumpers being held, another one being draped over somebody. I imagine as well that there's probably more that they couldn't fit on themselves because they'd be look like clothes rails in a, at the end of an H&M sale. Although it does look like a very nice house, so they can probably afford it. I mean, that looks like a nice extension that they've got. So it does. Yeah, clocked that before, yeah. Very nice. Um, anyway, let's move on. Let us move in with them. Stop being self-indulgent. Who else? Uh, Wes Harding for the own goal. Yep. Lovely, lovely, lovely bit of footwork. It's a good finish and uh, own goal. Own goal is doing really well for us this season, isn't yeah. it? Five, five for the season. Is that, or is it five or six? Hot prospect. Um, Eddie Dicetti could maybe learn a thing or two from own goal. Well, how many has he scored for us? Is that an own goal? Own goal's not going to be going back to Arsenal, is it? Nope. They're going to be staying around for the season. And uh, the corridor of uncertainty can also have a, a nomination. Yep. It's where um, where the own goals live. Yep. Where they Where they dwell at night. Yeah, without the corridor of uncertainty, I don't feel there'd be as many own goals. Won't be as prolific. So, no. Yep. Who else? I'm going to throw Harland and Milner in for presumably having inserted release clauses in their contracts about Leeds. I'm, sh- I'm sure they have. Mm. They will, won't they? They, they will have got. I mean, because it was going to, apparently one of the reasons they didn't sign for Scum was because they weren't happy with the some of the conditions of the contract, mm. and I, th- I think that was probably it. No, I think the condition of the contract was probably you will have to play for Manchester United. Is that? No, no. I'll just wait until Leeds are in the Champions League. And there is a coded message here in, you know, this is sort of uh, Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code level stuff. What city are we in right now? Leeds. And what is Leeds' twin city? Lille. And the other one? <laughs> Dortmund. Dortmund. And where has Erling Haaland gone? Dort- Lille. No. Dortmund. Well, but, where did Marcelo Bielsa come from? Yep, Lille. Lille. I but, mean, Argentina, but... Stop derailing my point. <laughs> Dortmund. Yeah. So if you can't sign for Leeds yet, where do you go? Twin City. Lille. Next best thing. <laughs> Will we swap him for the, the barrel boy out of, um, oh, I forgot what the Dortmund Square. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that could be part of the deal that has to go back. Yeah, he's going to come to us one day. That one's written in the fates, isn't it? When we're Champions League again. Yeah. When, we he's, shall... when he's 37. 
and we're still in, le- in the championship. You'll turn up like Andy Gray did when he came back playing for uh, Warnock. Uh, who else? Or is that everybody this time? Uh, Pep Clotet. If we're nominating for a villain uh, like um, Erling, we will also give him some heroism um, because he loves us. He loves Bielsa. If I say something very strange now, he said in his post-match press conference, I can say it because Guardiola said it before me. I think Bielsa is the best manager in the world, maybe. I agree with his words. But to be able to go uh, with them toe-to-toe and deserve a little bit more is a fantastic experience. He's, he's happy just to be sharing yeah. the technical area, isn't he? He is. Um, he, I mean, he'll have got a lot more love from him than he got off of uh, Gary Monk. From my personal point of view, I love the football that Marcelo plays. I stole a lot of things from him and keep stealing a lot of things from everyone, but maybe Marcelo more than the others. Bless him. I hope he uh, goes and nicks something. Well, what he nicked from Gary Monk is uh, dignity. Mm-hmm. That's why Monk doesn't have any anymore. Living rent-free, I think, is the phrase, isn't it, there? Living rent-free. I was just thinking about, you know, this whole own goal, corridor of uncertainty stuff that we're rewarding this week. Deflections played a big part in the last few games as well this week, particularly. I think um, goal versus Preston, second against Birmingham. Well done, deflections. You don't have to hit the ball very well. You just have to put it near the goal. And if, you know, penalty areas are being packed with defenders and attackers all the time, ping it in, pinball. Okay, who's going to have the victory this time then? Who's our hero? I think Kev gets it. Anyone who can can wind up Roy Keane in such a comedic way is uh, is going to be a worthy winner, I think. And probably a substantial contribution to our youth system. How many academy players have, have come to the club after being first lulled into their loving of Leeds by the, the antics of the cop cat? There wasn't much else to attract you to Elland Road in the, the last 15 years while he was um, while he was doing the job. Yeah, so we salute you, Kev Holroyd, and, uh, and love to your family as well at what must be a difficult time. All done for this one then. We will be back on the extra ball talking about Arsenal four times. Uh, we're back on the match ball as well straight after the West Brom victory which is exactly what it will be. Won't it? Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this one. If you fancy getting hold of some of the clobber as well have a look on our website thesquareball.net and we will speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.